Hey folks, this is Josh Schlossberg with the Green Root Podcast. I want to take some time to talk a little bit about what's going on in the country right now regarding the protests against police brutality spurred on by the police killing of George Floyd. I have a bit of history in regards to police accountability issues, which I'll get into in a moment, but let's talk first about some of the overlap between the environmental movement and the issue of police brutality. I think we all know that activists of all stripes, environmental or otherwise, have felt the brunt of a lot of police brutality in the past. Sometimes it's just around handing out brochures or standing on a street corner. Other times, perhaps there are some other borderline illicit activities going on that end up bringing on some very extreme force in response. We've seen that time and time again, things to do with pepper spraying and clubbing and tasering. I've seen things like that with my own eyes, and it's nothing new. Of course, the concerns right now, the major concerns are around racism, and I think that is a major component that has been discussed for a while, but has clearly not been resolved, and we need to be discussing it more. And I think right now, is the time to do so. And I have been following Black Lives Matter. I can't breathe all that stuff for many years. And I think that is one of the most important movements in the country. It has called attention to a lot of the issues around police use of force. That being said, I personally don't believe that the racism of police officers, which is real, is the root issue of the police brutality issue. I think it is definitely a branch. It is a strong, gnarly, rotten branch, and that needs to be dealt with, absolutely. But I do think if we don't go deeper, we're going to run the risk of not actually addressing the problem. So absolutely, racism needs to be a part of the discussion front and center. But I also think we have to understand some aspects of why this keeps happening. And it does keep happening to people of color, but it keeps happening to people in general. And I think we need to bring all of that to the table. And at the Green Root Podcast, it's about getting to the root. So once again, racism and police use of excessive force, there is obviously a tie-in and that needs to be discussed. And right now... The country is in the grip of figuring out a way to deal with this. But let's let's look at some other aspects, and I hope it will make it so we can have a discussion that will maybe further the solutions, because clearly the discussion that we've been having for years has not. It's not worked. So we need to think of something different. Same with the environmental movement. It's not been successful. We're losing the battle. When a movement keeps losing a battle, we have to question our tactics. We have to reframe. So let's move forward and think about some other deeper aspects of it. And I'm going to talk a little bit about some things that I have seen in my activist career that made me aware of the police brutality issue oh, over 15 years ago, maybe even longer. So I was an activist on all sorts of different issues from environmental issues 
to do with tree sits and direct action around forest protection to anti-fossil fuels protests with bicycles to toxic herbicide spraying of rural community members to incinerators in communities of color and low-income communities, environmental justice communities as they're known. And not only have I seen police brutality with my eyes, it's happened to me on multiple occasions. So, oh, here, here's Josh again, making it all about him. Well, of course, we all see the world through the our own prism, right? So I'm going to come at this first from my own personal experience and then see if there's any lessons that I have actually learned over the years, which is debatable, and then bring it back to the broader topics. So if you're not interested in my personal story, you can fast forward to the end of this. But I do think it ties into a lot of what's going on today. So I have been arrested probably six or seven times and uh, detained that many times. I have no criminal record. I've actually never committed any of these crimes, but still the police would come down on me. I think largely because I'm a smart ass and don't know when to shut my mouth, but also I was on the front lines of various protest activities, 100% of which were completely nonviolent. And police don't always know how to deal with that. So I've been in situations where riding my bicycle in a critical mass bike ride, I was on those a lot. And I actually would always follow the law, usually, but sometimes other folks wouldn't. But whatever, we were these roving packs of cyclists, so cars had to wait as we went in a pack through a yellow light and then a red light and then just deal with it. You know, whatever. That was a legitimate protest, whatever. There was one where I had just gotten back into town, was unlocking my bike, and the critical mass ride was going past. This was in Eugene, Oregon. And I was a part of those rides almost, I guess it was every month. And this one was just passing by. I was like, oh, great, I'll get on there. And I saw my friend, and a friend was towards the front of it. So what I actually did was I legally passed the group in that left lane. So as a cyclist, you're allowed to take over a full lane of traffic if there's not room for cars to pass safely. You can take over that lane if there's another cyclist to the right of you. You can go past them. So I did that, got back into line, kept doing that until I got to the front of it. And then all of a sudden there were, oh, maybe five or six cop cars just on us because they had been not happy with our protests for a while. And this was, yeah, around oil issues, but also war issues. It was basically whatever issue people wanted to make. But for me, a lot of it was I was a cyclist commuter. I would ride my bike seven miles across town every day. And it was dangerous because cars didn't respect us. They would break the law. Anytime we tried to be assertive in defending ourselves by taking over a lane when it was legal, uh, they would try to run us down. I, I had, it was pretty bad. So the police weren't doing anything to protect us. I felt this was a legitimate way to get the word out about it. You know, whether it's effective or not is debatable. Anyway, so I was, I was going up in the front there and all these cop cars just appeared out of nowhere and blocked off the road. And I was on the ride for like a few minutes. I knew I hadn't broken the law. I'm like, I'm not leaving. I didn't do anything wrong. So I turned off to this side street and there were 
they blocked that off too. And at that point, I was like, okay, I'm not sure what's going on here. I started, started to turn around and then a cop yelled at me, stop. And maybe I didn't stop. <laughs> but all of a sudden he grabbed me and he threw me off my bike onto the ground. Luckily, I had my helmet on. So I always wear a helmet. I had my helmet on. Um, I hit the ground hard. He threw me off my bicycle for not literally doing anything and arrested me and all that. So I had that impending court case. And then the, I think it was the very next month I was on a ride and I literally got ticketed for going through a light that was green that then turned yellow while I was in the intersection. It was ridiculous. Anyway, they were, they were obviously harassing us. I, I went to court. I, I won on that first charge, but then the, the ticket held up. I won on the first charge because there was video footage of me riding my bike legally from their cam or from their car. So it was fine. But that was one of the first instances, instances where I was like, man, I was just riding my bike in a protest and they threw me hard to the ground. Like I, I wasn't threatening them. I wasn't a danger to anyone. They just made that happen. That was really, that was really upsetting to me. I was in another situation where it was at a tree sit and I had brought a journalist up there because they were dropping trees all around this tree sitter. It was really dangerous. Like they could have killed the guy and this tree sitter up in the tree. And I brought a journalist up there and we went into the area where we weren't supposed to go. And then there was a forest service cop who then escorted us out. And he, he said, what's your name? And I was like, I, uh, why do I have to tell you my name? Um, and then before I knew it, he threw me up against his vehicle. It was funny the the reporter was there and took pictures of it. So there was uh, in the newspaper the next day, me getting smushed up against a, a vehicle, which was pretty funny. And, you know, he threw me in the car and then, you know, later talked to him and whatever, we resolved that. But I didn't, I asked him why, I asked him why I had to tell him my name. Basically, he could have just said, well, because uh, we're suspecting you of a committing a crime, which is entering this area illegally and therefore we have a right like he didn't explain he just threw me up against the thing so once again I was like man these cops keep, really like to touch me several <laughs> other incidents <laughs> happened which i don't need to get into but all around protest stuff and then then here was the final straw so i was in a situation where I was handing out brochures. So pretty much the lowest level activity you can do as a protester. And I don't even, it's not even worth getting into what I was doing it about, but I was in front of a bank and I was trying to get folks to divest from the bank because it tied into this timber baron who was a president of the bank and or a chairman of the board or something like that. And he was spraying herbicides on these clear cuts, which would poison these rural communities and he would also clear cut in uh, he would also log in national forests so we thought this would be a useful way to get at him it was a campaign that had been going on for years i kind of restarted up that little aspect of it cop came out uh it was a it was a woman cop who went up to me and she talked to me a little bit and said oh you've been getting complaints there was one guy who would come out who hated me who would harass me and then he called the police you know whatever so this this woman officer came up to me, talked to me and we're like, okay, well, I guess you're fine. And she left. I was there with this intern. And then another cop came, 
like maybe 10 minutes later. And he was a male cop and I recognized him. And long story short, he had instigated this other police brutality incident where it was basically this hippie kid who is pretending to spray herbicide with a water sprayer. Uh, he was spraying water and had a hazmat suit on and it was like this little tiny protest downtown. It was obviously not herbicide in the can, but um, Homeland Security was monitoring that and they went down hard on this kid. They, they grabbed him, they threw him to the ground, uh, smacked his head on the pavement and tasered him. And it was a big deal in Eugene, Oregon. Anyway, I had filed a criminal complaint against this cop and this cop was under some scrutiny. It was that same damn cop. And I was like, oh man. And he walks past me. And he's like, get your shit and get out. And walks into the bank to talk to them. And uh, there's actually a YouTube video of this. Uh, I recorded the incident. So I'll post that, I think, in the link somewhere. And I was like, I know I don't have to leave. I had this little table. I wasn't blocking the sidewalk or anything like that. I knew I was completely legit. I'd actually talked to my attorney in advance of it because I didn't want to get arrested anymore. I was sick of getting arrested and roughed up by police officers. And I still would have stuck there, but we had this young intern and like, she doesn't need to see this. All right, I'm going to pack up. And then he, I'm packing up and then the cop comes back out. Now, something to know about this cop Later found out he did have PTSD because he was a former Blackwater operative. And if you don't know what Blackwater is, it's private security force in the Iraq war. So they send those guys in to do the dirty work they don't want the U.S. military doing. He was literally a paid mercenary and then working on a police force. And everything to him, I guess, was just a big deal. He was on the SWAT team. So they sent him in. After another officer had already dealt with the situation, he came in, came back outside of the, came outside of the bank and uh, held up my video camera. I'm like, let him know I'm recording you. And he started telling me, yeah, you need to get out of here. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to get video of this because this is incorrect. I want to get what he's saying. I was like, listen, I'm going to be going, I'm leaving, but what you're telling me is inaccurate. It's incorrect. I can be here. And he's like, he would just make up all these things. He would said all these things that later on were proven to be false. Uh, things like, oh, well, uh, we're doing the same thing at this abortion clinic where you have to, you, you have to keep walking if you're protesting. And that was a specific law that tied into abortion protests. So you don't prevent people from going in and getting abortions. So it didn't apply to this. He kept saying all these things like, you're blocking the sidewalk. And I even have video footage of when he's saying that and people walking like three abreast past me and there was all this room. He just kept saying all this stuff. He didn't want me there. He, he didn't want me practicing my first amendment rights. And he was winning because I was like, you know what? I'm leaving, but you're wrong because I, I'm a smart ass and I can't keep my mouth shut. Like I said, and he kept saying stuff and I had to keep correcting him. I'm like, well, that's inaccurate. And he's like, well, blah, 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 blah. Well, that too is inaccurate. And then at one point he was like, you just want to argue? I, you're saying incorrect things. I don't, I'm already leaving. I don't know what you want from me. And then he's like, are you recording me? It's like, of course I'm recording. You already said that. And I'm holding the camera. And then he's like, give me your camera. And at that point I was like, no, game over. You're not taking my camera. You already made me leave. No. And he's like, you're going to give me your camera. And, and I didn't give him the camera. So he grabs it and I don't let it go. 
And then Mr. SWAT Team Blackwater Operative takes hippie me <laughs> and throws me to the pavement and puts his knee in my neck, jams his knee on my neck with his body weight. Now, George Floyd was unlucky enough to be killed by that maneuver, and that is awfully tragic, and maybe race has something to do with it. But this is a tactic that police have been doing for a long time, and that was 2008 where they did that to me. My neck was injured from that. He took me to jail, put me in solitary, wouldn't let me call attorney, whatever. It's, it's not as interesting part of the story. But I was injured, and I sued them. I sued the police, and long story short, we won in federal court. Um, we, we won on excessive force and a few other things. Uh, he looked through my camera illegally and we went on that and we set precedent for some of the Occupy stuff later. And during the court case, so this, is the, this isn't just me talking about me, even though it is also that. During the, I believe it was during the depositions where you kind of talk about what you're going to talk about during the court case with all of the attorneys present, it came out that this issue of use of force continuum. So if you take anything away from me going on and on about this, it's this concept of use of force continuum. You can find it anywhere online around police issue stuff. And basically this is what I learned. It's that, so the concept of use of force. So either there's no force used, you just talk as a cop, or then you say, or you don't even say anything, you just stand there, right? And then the next escalation is verbalization. So it's not physical, you saying things or you're yelling or whatever. And then the next stage is empty hand control. So you can use grabs, you can hold people. And then it goes to less lethal. So using a baton or chemical stuff or tasers and lethal force, they can shoot and kill you. So sometimes when people see police do things, they're like, well, that's not a fair tactic. You know, or like if that guy was just running um, from after that thing, why did they taser him or whatever? Because they're not playing fair. They're not, it's not like, oh, it's a knife fight, so I'll take out my knife. They go one level above. And to a certain degree, that's understandable, right? So if it's like, well, no, he's, he's trying to punch you, officer. You have to only use your fists back. You know, that's, that's arguable. And I think there are most situations where you can avoid violence. So I am, I am a huge fan of that. But this is what the law has enshrined. And that's why things like when this shit happens and the police get away with it, it's because I'm not advocating for this or saying this is good, but it's legal. We have allowed this law to continue to exist where they're able to just escalate unnecessarily. Now, being fair, again, are we expecting them to, if, if somebody tries to punch them, that they only punch? I don't know. But if there's somebody such as George Floyd, who, what, was forging some documents for food or something like that? You know, would you even need to arrest the person? And I don't know what other things happened. Did he even try to resist arrest? Let's just say he even did try to resist arrest. We don't even know if that's true. First of all, did he, they didn't need to arrest him. Probably not. When they tried to resist arrest, they held him down, whatever. 
you're done with that, right? You cuff them, you get off of them. They had those three officers on him and they had knee on his neck. He did not seem to be that sort of threat. He wasn't some methed out lunatic or something like that. He was a, he was a bit of an older man and clearly not in good health. And they didn't need to do that. But is he going to get away with it? I'm afraid that he might. And racism, once again, may be a part of that. But we've got to also look at the fact that until we change these laws, they're going to keep doing this and they're going to keep getting away with it. And I know it's not as sexy. <laughs> I know it's it's more fun to protest and riot. And hey, people are going to do what they're going to do. <clears throat> My protesting days like that are over. I've I've gotten arrested and roughed up enough for a lifetime, frankly. So I'll and I'd probably be out there a little bit right now, at least as a journalist, if I wasn't afraid of the COVID disease. <laughs> and if I wasn't hiding out in the mountains here. Regardless, understanding that the powers that be, and these might even be some of the politicians we think are on our side, are kind of a little bit in favor of this stuff. If you ask them, well, can we address this use of force continuum thing? They're going to hem and haw. They're probably not going to want to do it because ultimately, no matter what they say, I think that politicians like the fact that police are a bit unruly because it scares people and keeps them in their place. So if you know, uh, if I go to that rally, the cops might just go crazy. They might just, you know, shoot us with rubber bullets or tear gas. I've seen all that stuff. Luckily, I've never been tear gassed or rubber bulleted, but um, it's happened all around me. I've never been tasered either, but it happened in very close proximity. So the the powers that be, the politicians, some of which you think are on your side, want us to be afraid so we're not congregating, we're not going out and doing things. And more importantly, and I think this is a really important point, there are going to be some types of folks who will go out, like hardcore folks, like I used to be. Other folks like that are going to go out there to the protests. And then on the media, it comes across as, all right, well, look at these radicals and they're throwing things and breaking things. Again, I've done stuff like that. Um, I'm not admitting to any crimes, but um, I've been a part of things like that and I understand why that's happening. But think about how different it would look if families and grandmothers and babies and kids were out at these protests, that would shut things down pretty quick. But you can't because who's going to bring their kid out if a cop is just going to go ape shit? And I, I don't know if it's deliberately done, but I think it's deliberately allowed to happen. And I think that is a lot of what keeps folks down. And I really would like to see the addressing of some of these root issues. And use of force continuum, I want to keep saying that. Everyone has to understand that because they're doing this to all of us. They're, they're killing black people, absolutely. They're killing white people. They're killing Latinos. They're killing Asians. They're killing Native Americans. They're killing all of us. And frankly, it shouldn't even just be about when they kill us. <laughs> they... They shouldn't be roughing people up who are protesting or activists. And even if you are 
committing a some misdemeanor, the question is, why does it need to turn into some guy grabbing you and hurting you? It's it's a weird thing, you know? It's it's a really weird thing. And I understand in violent crimes, sometimes you need to send the thugs out for the legitimate thugs. So if somebody murdered somebody with a knife, you don't you don't send out the school librarian. You you send out an, a professional thug to deal with. It. But that's not the vast majority of what's going on. And do we have do we reserve the right to commit misdemeanors and not die? Yes, 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 we do. That's why they're misdemeanors. Frankly, we have the right to commit felonies and not die all that stuff. Uh, we should be protected under that. But then what ends up happening is folks who are not even breaking the law. And frankly, you know, and this does likely happen in a lot of black communities, it's there's more police presence and they're looking for more trouble. The police officers are just looking for trouble and they're looking for any little thing. And so then, frankly, if you look at anyone long enough, they're going to sort of do something illegal, <laughs> you know, make a wrong turn or or whatever. So they take advantage of that and then it gets really escalating really quickly. And a lot of the resisting arrest stuff, so as somebody who has been grabbed by police officers on multiple times and been accused of resisting arrest, even though I didn't, I resisted confiscation of my camera that one time. You know, I got charged. Well, they try, he, he arrested me for resisting arrest. They didn't even charge me because the prosecutor knew it was bullshit. But when somebody grabs you, especially if you're not used to it, you tense up and then they're like, you're resisting arrest or you just naturally are like, why is some guy on top of me? It's a, it's a very invasive thing. And, um, you know, I, I, I've never been a fan of that. So sometimes when that happens, yeah, there's an involuntary resistance, however you want to frame that. And then they either legitimately think it's resisting arrest or they can pretend that it is afterwards. And then um, that's when things escalate and that's when violence happens and it happens time and time again and it's been happening forever. And I think we have to address really why it's happening. And that's what I'd like to see moving forward. And I do wanna say that I am currently not picturing a world in which there isn't some form of policing. You know, maybe it would be a totally different thing where it's like a revolving role of uh, constables. I don't know. But there probably needs to be somebody who is keeping an eye on things and the agreed upon rules, you deal with them. But I, I don't think that they need to be dealt with in the way that they're being dealt with. I think there could even be two different police forces where it's like, if it's not a violent crime, you send out a whole different unit. You know, something, people who are better at verbalizing, people who are less threatening. When another man comes up to me and starts telling me what to do, I do get my back up. I do not appreciate it. And when a woman comes, I'm more apt to listen. I still respect her and I know she can kill me because she is trained and she has weaponry. She has the state on her side, but it does have a little bit different dynamic. And I'm just spitballing some things based on my experience that maybe would benefit. I know that situations where it's mental health issues in certain cities, like where I used to live in Burlington, Vermont, even though there were plenty of police brutality issues there, some of which I, I witnessed as well. 
they had a mental health force that they would send out prior to police. And that oftentimes could de-escalate. He's like, no, no, somebody's here to help you, not to attack you in a uniform with weaponry. So I do think there are different ways, but I also think being naive is not going to help us. Like to pretend that, yeah, I don't want any cops. Like, well, you, I don't think you would be okay with if a burglar came into your house and there's just nothing you can do except for you have to defend your house on your own. I, I don't know if you'd really be okay with that. So folks who say, yeah, we shouldn't have police at all. You can convince me maybe, but, um, and I used to think that, but I, I don't think that's it. So in the meantime, let's say be, we might get to a point where we don't need police anymore, but I don't think we're anywhere near that. How do we deal with what we currently have? And it is by addressing the major components. Racism is one of them, but it can't end with just that. And we who are environmentalists should be engaged with this. We should be engaged with this because it's human beings. We should be engaged with this because it is people of color. So vulnerable communities, uh, communities living in poverty, marginalized, all that's extremely important. But also let's remember, we environmentalists need to be able to put our information out there and get out on the streets and they've gone after us a fair amount as well. So if you're looking for personal buy-in, that is some buy-in. Just because we're concerned about the environmental world does not mean that we can't engage with social issues, obviously. And I think, frankly, if folks are just getting killed for doing little things like trying to eat that week, I don't think folks that are struggling to survive day to day can really afford to care about environmental issues, you know, and it's like in developing nations. I don't expect folks who are just trying to eat that week to be concerned about climate change. It's those of us who are in a, enough of a leisurely position where we can care about that. We're the ones who are going to speak out about that. I mean, it affects all of us. But until we resolve the social issues, I don't think people can care about environmental issues as much. But likewise, if we don't deal with environmental issues, it's not either or. It's both. We have to do all of the above and try to frame it in a way where it overlaps and moves in a particular direction. So we don't all have to be doing the exact same thing, but we should all be in a similar sphere. We need to find the overlap. And I think right now, this is the issue that folks have really gotten concerned about. I do think some of the, the protests and, and the riot aspects, it's coming from the fact that people are unemployed. People are, have been staying at home for months and just the stress of a global pandemic of a deadly disease. All of that's a powder keg. And of course it ties into what's his fuck in the White House and all that stuff. But the issue underlying it if it's that police issue, it ties into the racism, it ties into the use of force continuum, it ties into the politicians kind of are okay with this stuff happening. And don't pay attention to what they say. Pay attention to what they do. So what are folks doing? If some politician is tweeting about stuff like or making them statement that sounds good, Look at what they're voting for. Look at whether they have addressed anything to do with use of force continuum. Look at whether 
On the local level, there is police oversight, or civilian review boards. So those are entities, independent entities, that take a look at police behavior. Something called a police auditor. So all this stuff happened back in Eugene. There are various versions of it, some more toothless than, than others. But also understanding where the police are coming from. I don't think most police officers are bad people. I don't think most of them are racist. I think plenty of them are do pretty shitty things and plenty of them are racist, but that's not all of them. And they do have a dangerous job. So we have to understand how to make things better for them. And most police officers understand that things like this, and lots of police officers have been coming out against what they did to George Floyd, make them look bad and makes their job more dangerous. But I do think it's worthwhile to be able to have a conversation with them. And just like on the Green Root Podcast, even though my environmental views are perhaps a bit more staunch than mainstream environmentalists, and I rag on mainstream environmentalists and wish they would improve, I don't think that they're bad people. I think that some of the actions that they're taking and their ideas they have are not helping the environment or doing more harm than good. Same with most police officers, I think a lot of them are upholding a lot of not great things, but that doesn't make them bad people. Do you understand the difference there? I've gotten crap for this. Um, there was somebody who told me he was upset because I said the Koch brothers, I guess it's just the Koch brother now, are not bad people. They've done bad things. And I stand by that statement. I believe they've done bad things, but I don't believe they're bad people. I don't, I don't think there are that many you know, how many bad things do you have to do before you become a bad person? I'm sure there are bad people out there, but I bet you that's less than 1% of the human population. So therefore, it's probably less than 1% of the police population. But a lot of these cops are just doing what the law tells them to do and that they can get away with. And sometimes they're afraid for their lives. And we can protest and we can riot and we can tweet and whatever. But until we understand how these systems operate and address the systems themselves, I don't think anything is going to change very much. Getting a Democrat in the White House is not going to change use of force continuum. It's not going to affect whether there are police oversight boards. None of that will. So let's, let's pay attention to action. Let's take a look at root causes and Hopefully, over time, we can prevent stuff like this from maybe never, maybe not never happening because sometimes things happen, but we can reduce this even more. So we can get this down to the absolute bare minimum. And even one is too many. Even one unjust death at the hand of police officers is one too many. But we know for a fact we're way more than one. So let's figure out what works. Realize that people are starting to catch on a bit. We're at the heart of the issue. And police brutality is a major, major thing. It is our government's soldiers, and we're supposed to be the government. So unless we're killing ourselves, unless we're suicidal, there is homicide going on. And this is not acceptable. But just feeling a certain way, just feeling anger and rage, that's, that's okay. That's important. We have to process that. But that alone does zero. It does zero. 
That's been the problem with the mainstream environmental movement is, well, if I feel enough or if I say enough slogans, it fixes it. And we've learned, no, we're having our asses handed to us across the board. There should be no situation in where in which the George Floyd thing happened. Like, it, it just shouldn't have been the case. Maybe the guy would have been arrested. Maybe that was right or wrong, whatever. Um, maybe they brought him to the ground briefly, and then they cuff him. But just leaning there on him, and while he's saying that he is in distress, no. Unacceptable. That can't ever happen again. And the question, if you're listening to this, is what are you doing about it? Are you just blaming Trump, you know, or are you just getting upset about his tweets? He tweets to distract you. Stop paying attention to him. What do we want to do that can actually address this situation? So the police forces are city police forces and sometimes county and state. It's at that level. The federal doesn't, Trump doesn't have anything to do with these police officers. So we got to focus on where the issue is. Have police done wrong? Absolutely they have. And I've been saying that for a long, long time. And I've literally been arrested saying things and, and injured and knee in the neck and thank whatever that I was not more than just injured from that, unlike poor Mr. Floyd. But if we really want to deal with this situation more than just, I want to feel good about myself for seeming like I'm caring about this, then we've got to look at the systems. We've got to look at the systems behind it and sloganeering and social media posting does not accomplish anything. In fact, that's what they want us to do. They want us to just expend our energy in just our echo chamber. So when you post something on Facebook, that Facebook lets, what, 50 people see it, 100 of your friends who already agree with you, and you're like, I don't like police brutality. And then they're like, yeah, me neither. It doesn't do anything, okay? It's, it's, a, it's a fine step to, to find solidarity, but we got to do more than that. And I don't know the answer, and I don't want to propose the answer. I just wanted to point out one thing that my personal experience with police brutality over the years has shown me, and I want to inject that in the conversation and hope that we start looking at things in terms of here are the pieces that we can fix rather than here is the way that it makes me feel good to rage about it. So... That's all I got. Stay safe out there. Mind your P's and Q's as best you can, but speak your mind and do what you feel is right. And sometimes the cops come for you. I've, I've found that myself. Um, but I have found that I can be more effective not beat up and not in jail than I can in jail and beat up. And that's where things are from where I'm standing.